Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Welcome to See Also. I'm Kate Jinks. And I'm Brody Lancaster. On this episode, we're going to be chatting about Russian Doll and its star, the Queen of the Lower East Side, ageless chain smoking icon Natasha Leone. Yeah, she's been involved in so many movies that mean a lot to us. Jinxie, what have you been up to? Well, I've had quite a lot of family and friends in town visiting from Sydney, which mm-hmm. has been really kind of nice, but also feels so far deep into the year that I feel kind of bad that I have not been able to be my usual gracious host. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I've been doing a lot of, I'm starting to burn the candle. When you say it's deep in the year, do you mean like you just realize it's no longer New Year's? Yeah, pretty much. It's like, it's April. It's like, it's, you know, beginning of May, but it already feels like the year is about to end. Like, I feel like that is where, like, it just crept up on me. Do you have that feeling? Yes. I've had two phone calls in the last week about my tax return. (laughs) So I'm really feeling June creeping up behind me, Mm -hmm. like in a pantomime or something. It's behind you. (laughs) Totally. Uh, What else? I went to Sydney myself for a wedding of two beautiful divine angel lovers. And that was really, really lovely. Um, but I've got a don't also for that, which is <laughs> don't, don't try putting on a brand new eyeliner and a brand new mascara oh. like five minutes before you have to leave and then have an allergic reaction to no. it. No, But it was kind of good because like I just looked really teary the whole night. Like I was just yeah. overcome with love, which I was. Yeah. So it was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was in Sydney, uh, I was wandering around, I was visiting some friends, some dear friends, and their brand new baby was great. 
Um, but I was wandering around where I used to live in Sydney and I had this like first pangs of nostalgia for that mm. particular time in my life. Mm. Not homesick? Or Not like- homesick. It was just like, oh, remember when I moved into this neighborhood and I thought I'd made it, like she'd made it. For listeners who don't know, Jinxie was like a Sydney gal until about a year ago, two years ago. Two, I moved two days before the lockdown started. Sure, sure, sure. Pretty cool. Great <laughs> very, timing. Very cool intro to Melbourne. What else? Uh, Top Chef, my dog turned one, which was a very exciting day for all. Happy birthday, Top Chef. I believe there was a birthday in your family also, BL. Look, we've got some Torians in our homes (laughs) and our hearts. Carol, my darling little street cat, uh, turned seven yesterday, or by the time you're listening to this, earlier this week. Yeah, she's a sweet, sweet gal, was leaning so hard into her birthday pat that she fell off the bed. (laughs) She just really knows how to live. And what else? I'm about to go away in two weeks Mm -hmm. and... That has really crept up on me and I've become, you know, when you get any spare moment, you start, well, you probably do start anyway, Mm -hmm. BL, like making obsessive lists of things. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So now I'm thinking very much, a little too much about like what I'm packing for this trip. Well, you're going to a different climate. And, uh, Do we have to be coy? Or no, we no, I'm going, I'm going to um, <laughs> I'm going to the Cannes Film Festival so via Paris and London. Oui, Ooh, oui. la la. Oui, oui. And, you know, I thought, I was like, maybe I'll pull up that Joan Didion oh list. Oh, my God, the typewriter in a suitcase. Exactly, the Joan Didion <laughs> packing list. Um, Infamous. Yeah, and uh, it's a great list. You know, it's like two skirts, two jerseys or leotards, et cetera, et cetera, <sighs> right down to bourbon cigarettes, aspirin, mm. prescriptions, baby oil, etc., And then to carry a mohair throw, a typewriter, two legal pads and pens, files, and a house key. Uh, I don't think I'll be taking almost any of those <laughs> except for the key and Although maybe the bourbon. Le- leotards and skirts is like a very chic way to travel. But sure. And one pullover sweater. It only works for the Jones of us. It really does. Nightgown robe and slippers is something I love. I love that love. every bitch of our genre, like at one point, has been like, I could be like Joan. I oh, could yeah. pack like that. I could pack like Joan. Yeah. Yeah. I only need two pairs of shoes, stockings and a bra. Yeah. And, you know, I kind of do. And a house key because someone else is picking up the tab everywhere you go or you just smoke away in the corner. No, I've got to get my typewriter in that bag. You couldn't take a typewriter on anymore. No, they're Uh. so heavy. Mm. And I started watching Selling Sunset season five and it's making me sad this season. Why? Uh, Well, I mean, we've got that whole thing of we know Chriselle's not in that relationship anymore, which is fine. But I don't know, the gals are seeing me a little... A little much this time. And I really didn't like that they started on a holiday because the entire show is about work Mm -hmm. and I don't need to see those bitches on a holiday. It's about work. It's about sitting in front of a computer that has either a black screen or just a search window open (laughs) and doing lots of work. Exactly. Talking about which desk you sit at, you know, work stuff. Are those desks designed by Mark Newson? Are they Mark Newson desks? Look, I wouldn't know. They are hideous. They're they're so enormous and they're... Seems to be a very finite number of them, which is like the desks are a story point in themselves because they cause so much drama. Who's going to sit where? Where's Christine sitting? Are you watching? Yeah, I watched it all on the weekend. I got a bit sick last week. I caught a classic cold, which at first I was a bit annoyed by it, but now I think it's kind of retro Mm, and chic chic to have a classic cold instead of COVID, which I'm still somehow 
dodging. Same. But yeah, I watched all of Selling Sunset. Touching wood right now. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Our Foley department cool foley. is very good. <laughs> yeah, I watched all of Selling Sunset within the space of a few days. Amanza continues to be my fave. I love Amanza. Um, but she is entering her girl boss era <laughs> in what seems to be 2021, mm-hmm. which is quite upsetting. I also made the shocking realization that Christine Quinn is 12 months older than me. <gasps> what? Christine oh is God. in her very early 30s. No. Which she mentions. I could be her mother. <laughs> which she mentions when she's talking about getting her boobs done with her new British friend. Oh, God. Who. She's incredible. Is British and says Katua and. But, but also like, party. But where in England? I mean, she says mm. London, but. She says London. I wrote in my notes, she's made for reality TV, not a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> it's really true. She is. I I saw someone I saw an American person on Twitter last week saying that there is no way that her accent is real and I thought well, you know people from Australia or England they have to modify their accent for Americans famously can't understand any accent and I was like maybe it's that maybe it's a British accent modified from having lived in America mm-hmm. and then after a while I was like oh maybe she really is just putting on a fake British accent well it's been done before I mean we think about Ilaria Baldwin Ilaria Baldwin <laughs> How do you say cucumber? How do you say cucumber? Yeah. We've all been duped. We've all, look, we've all been duped by an Ilaria. <laughs> I accidentally came up with a portmanteau yeah. the other day. I was trying to describe someone as an ugly husband and <laughs> what came out was Hugland and Oh wow. Hugland. Yeah. There are so many Huglands on Selling Sunset. Oh, they are all Huglands. <laughs> They're all Huglands. Anyway, I want to see where that word goes. But also I had like a bit of a controversial day today. I've been doing some tweets that people have taken notice of, namely the people I'm tweeting about. And it's really like, I think maybe I'm entering my controversial era. Like my, if I was Taylor Swift, I'm in my snake reputation (laughs) era where I'm singing like, look what you made me do. But Mm -hmm. it's about Audrey Gelman, founder of the (laughs) the wing. Um, uh, so like, I guess backstory, if you, if you weren't following, uh, the wing was like the, the startup started in New York and then spread all over. It was kind of like just pre slash early Trumpy time. And so it quickly went from a place for women to like take meetings and work on their jobs and print before an event or whatever. Um, these very beautiful, like pale pink styled spaces all over the world. Very Instagram, very Instagram, very expensive membership. I always wanted to go to one. I went to quite a few and I had really good days working there. Look, I had my like lavender oat, you know, latte and a kale salad. There's a reason they were so popular. A cocktail after five. But of course, as so many of our girl bosses, Mm. our white girl bosses did, Mm -hmm. uh, Audrey Gelman and The Wing were one of many caught up in... um, Kind of, it was revealed that they did not treat their employees of color quite so fairly Mm -hmm. um, in 2020. She has rebranded and has, I guess, started. Post baby. Post baby, opened a new store in Brooklyn that's selling, like, I guess, like cottage core homewares. 
I first heard about this because The Cut reviewed the store and on their Instagram, they described Audrey Gelman as being like an architect of the millennial aesthetic and disgraced wing founder. Also, the inspiration for Marnie from Girls. I know, I love that. Famously. Look, a lot of people in the comments of that Instagram post were like, you guys are being mean. This is so mean. You're tearing women down, etc., etc." And I looked at it and I thought, well, they're not wrong. It's I not, thought it was a little too much. It was, it was, it was cheeky in the way that their captions always are. Okay. I thought it was on. It was tonally accurate, but also, yeah, looked like that jug was about to hit her in the head. If you look <laughs> at the image, it was a very crafted piece of work. That one. My favorite was that one of the comments. All the comments were like criticizing the cut for writing that caption and then there was one of a woman who just said lol cottage core and i looked at her profile and she was like the editor of many house and garden like interiors publications <laughs> that were all just cottage core <laughs> so i tweeted look the cut it might have been mean but it wasn't wrong and i woke up this morning and had, had a new follower mm-hmm. and it was audrey gilman mm-hmm. who look i didn't tag her she just happened to search her name we've all done it have you ever searched your name on twitter Mm. to see if people like talked about you without tagging you i haven't i did it once and someone accused or like was complaining about me spoiling the end of gilmore girls for them and it was like what solidly a decade since the show had ended (laughs) (laughs) which is really fun also what there is no real spoiler to the it's like well they grow up yeah They become Gilmore women. Um, but then today I also like wrote something I thought was funny about a TikToker. <laughs> and then she, you are asking for trouble. she replied, I can't go into explaining who she is. I will be here all day. So anyway, I think I need to um, get off Twitter. I need to leave Twitter, not for Elon Musk reasons, <laughs> just to like con- contain my reputation. No, I say go for it. Lean into it. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe I'll start tagging these people. You should just tag them. I mentioned on the podcast last week that I had finally pressed play on season one of Russian Doll. And by the time I finished watching it, thankfully, there was an entire new season for me to dive right into. Perfect timing. Yeah, it was good timing for you. I waited years for that thing. (laughs) Years, Brody, years. This is like when I first saw Star Wars in (laughs) mid-2015. And by the end of the year, I was like, wait, you're telling me I've got to wait for more of these now? (laughs) So Russian Doll, if anyone is like me a week ago and has yet to watch it, it's a Netflix comedy series. I kind of hesitated to call it a comedy. It's a comedy. It's created by Natasha Leone, Amy Poehler and Leslie Headland, who I called Leslie Highland last episode. The first season follows uh, Natasha Leone's character Nadia as she lives her 36th birthday over and over again, dying each time and trying to figure out how to get out of a time loop, a very classic like Groundhog Day-esque time loop. And the second season kind of takes it somewhere else. It turns into like a time travel series. Mm. Yeah, like stuck in a time loop of intergenerational trauma, essentially. A comedy about intergenerational trauma. (laughs) And the New York City subway. (laughs) I loved season one so much. I could not get enough of it. It was so special. And I really thought, oh, God, what are they going to do with season two? Because season one is such a tight parcel, you know, like it really wraps itself up in a 
distressed bow, you know? Like yeah. it's so perfectly done. That final episode is beautiful. Mm-hmm. The labyrinth scene, like the, oh, God, it, the minotaur. It's so beautiful and mm-hmm. odd and there are so many crazy references in it. And then this season, it started kind of slow for me. I, I, I found it difficult to engage with at first, I've got to say. Yeah, I kind of lost track of it in the middle somewhere. It's a different premise in a way because – or it's a different premise full stop because in this one, Nadia can kind of control where she's going but maybe not when she's going or mm. sometimes she can. Like She, she thinks she can. Yeah, she, she kind of seems to have a much better handle on what's happening to her earlier on because she's kind of just accepted that strange things will happen to her. But I lost my place at some point in the middle of the – series but I just had to kind of trust that it would see me out the other end yeah I felt the same way like it's exactly that that you don't the internal logic of it was really difficult to follow for the first couple of episodes of the second season I really couldn't get a handle on where she was going why she was going could she control it or not control it Mm. were bad things gonna happen because she was jumping through time so much etc yeah and I felt like there was none of that in the first Mm. season but they're very different I guess the stakes are much different in the second one because in the first one she had to figure out how to stop dying yeah at the end of every day like there was a very clear problem to solve and in the second season it's much more about her learning things and trying to make things better for her future self by changing her family's actions or decisions or circumstances in the past but at some point she realizes she can't do that Mm. and it's almost it feels very therapy to me the second season really does she learns something about herself and her family and that process of learning only makes her want to learn more and so she keeps going back for more and for more and there's not that classic stakes of a time travel movie where it's not like in back to the future where people start disappearing in the present day because they're fucking with the past. Yeah, you know? exactly. And there's a moment in the, se- in the second season when there's a bug that comes out of her skin, right? And I thought, oh, okay, this is these are the stakes. Like she can't keep time traveling anymore mm. and she's going to want to go back. And But then that sort of just disappeared. Yeah, yeah. But maybe it was hallucinatory, which in a lot of this series is hallucinatory. Like yeah. there's a lot of drug-addled time jumping, I suppose. Yeah, and there's also the character of um, Nadia's mother who is brilliantly cast uh, by her best friend in real life, Chloe Sevigny, and the the nature of the time travel plot means that they are mother and daughter acting together as their Mm -hmm. adult selves. But there was this um, through line in the first season about her mother's mental illness and in this second season where you see Nadia kind of jumping back in time and sometimes inhabiting her mother's body, there's this really scary thing that you watch where you're kind of realizing that she, her time jumping, I, I think we're supposed to believe caused that in oh. her mother. Like she would look in the mirror and see her mother's reflection. And mm. we know that at some point in her childhood, her mother was going around smashing mirrors, didn't want her reflection anywhere. Yeah, right. I didn't go, <laughs> I didn't go there, but. And then there's Alan as well. They kind of kept Alan around, but his, his. Sweet Alan. Sweet Alan. Sweet birthday baby Alan. We <laughs> love Alan. We love Alan. Oh, Alan. He didn't get a very good storyline. His storyline so, was cool it was at the cr- beginning. Cool, And it just kind of, 
it was really abbreviated. Petered out. Yeah. That storyline petered out. But then at the end, we were supposed to care equally about what he yeah. and his grandmother had been through. Whereas I did care equally about him in the first season. Yeah, absolutely. We meet him at like such a specific time. Mm. Yeah. But like all that said, it's such a gift, this show. Oh my God. Like Natasha Leon is such an, and we'll get right into her biography yeah. um, in a minute, but she's such an idiosyncratic human and this show is so wild and cool and it is just layer upon layer of wild references and references from like literature and philosophy and film and like everything in between. I've read that she said that it's the whole show is one big Easter egg. Mm. And I do feel that this season was a lot more messy and it was more ambitious than the first season mm-hmm. um, because I guess it had something to prove as well, like, a, you know, like why does it exist? Why, why is the show coming it? back for sake? Yeah. yeah. But the first season was sh- the showrunner was Leslie Headland, and Natasha Leon took over as showrunner for this one. Ah, uh, Okay. And I kind of felt that jump there, Mm -hmm. that it was sort of a different vision in some way. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, look, it was messy and I didn't kind of love it as much, but I was so keen for it and I... We'll go wherever this show takes us. Absolutely. You don't get this kind of show much at all. You know, like we've got Severance and that's it is kind of how I'm feeling (laughs) at this point. You also don't see this stuff on Netflix very often. No, I I had the thought watching season two that it's a show that feels like it was really made for streaming in a good way. Whereas often, you know, when, when Netflix drops an entire season of a show, often they feel really bloated and Mm -hmm. episodes feel like they just go on longer than they need to. Yeah. Filler, 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 filler. Because there's, and I'm not talking about their lips. (laughs) You know, I'm thinking, I mentioned it earlier, but like, you know, I think of something like the Gilmore girls reboot, Mm -hmm. (laughs) a train wreck of my favorite show. Shouldn't have happened. Whereas like the contained, you know, 25, 30 minute, episodes of something that had such a specific story to tell it's it's so special it really is and I think with Russian Doll it is that kind of very rare show that I actually want to go back and rewatch pretty soon yeah like because I think oh I've missed something in there and even like you saying did she cause her mother's psychosis Mm. it's like well maybe like it is one of those shows where there is there's so many jumps you can take with it yeah. Like, it's not neat. It's not a neat show. No. And I love a bit of messy. Mm-hmm. I now also want to go back and immediately rewatch season one just to get more of Ruthie and, like, oh, that Ruthie. relationship, which really developed into something else in season two because you saw where it began. So Ruthie is a therapist who was uh, Nadia's mother's best friend. And Ruthie is played by Elizabeth Ashley. And I heard Natasha Leone talking about the two of them met because they were both chain smoking outside a service for Lou Reed, like a (laughs) memorial service where they had both been asked to read something. And... Natasha Leone just heard this like voice be like, you got a light kid. (laughs) And she, Natasha Leone also has like a real life godmother called Ruthie, who also lives in Murray Hill, who's also a chain smoker. And every time she talks about her in interviews, she's like, she plays the sluts down at the Borgata. She's a great (laughs) poker player. I mean, this was mostly just an excuse for my uh, my Natasha Leone impersonation, (laughs) but 
Ruthie also represents like this kind of matriarchal family structure that Russian Doll really respects and kind of shows the dynamics of in like a a beautiful and sad way. I love that this. It is a show about a woman dealing with like yeah intergenerational trauma, etc. And it's not about romance and it's not about career and it's not about any of, it's not even about friendship, you know? Yeah. When she gets those texts from her coworkers being like, are you ever coming in again? (laughs) It's like, oh yeah, she has a job. Yeah. But yeah, one of the, not even one of the best things, there are so many best things about this show, but the soundtrack is so good. And it's it's got Natasha Leon's paws all fucking over Mm -hmm. it. It's just incredible. We're going to link to a playlist of songs from both seasons in our show notes. Yeah. The kind of theme, I guess, running through her repeated deaths in season one is this, this Harry Nilsson song that I wasn't super familiar with before this, Gotta Get Up. Apparently Natasha Leone watched the documentary about Harry Nilsson from a few years ago, learned about how he, you know, filed for bankruptcy, died of heart failure, and um, was kind of haunted a little bit and they wanted it to feel like like Nadia was haunted in the same way and we as an audience were haunted by this song and so apparently they just kind of made the show using this song over and over and over again and did not really have the budget for it mm-hmm. but we're just kind of like we'll work something out because we kind of have to now like it's in there it's so embedded in the show yeah it's it's incredible i love harry nielsen nielsen schmilson is like one of the greatest albums of all time and it also references the song that bill murray hears every morning in groundhog day when he wakes up which is i got you babe by sunny and Cher. Mm. there's a particularly great use of depeche mode's personal jesus in season two oh. particularly when there's like a dmt trip and it's like there could be no better song for you like the death of the ego in that way yes like you're right natasha leone's paws are all over everything she is so cool and she is so like out of time not not trying to be like punny with the plot of season two but it seems to me from kind of binging a lot of leslie headland natasha leone like content in the last week that they have this really shared language as creators like they they found a lot of similarity in their like references and aesthetics and also had a lot of big conversations about what it means to be a person, what it means to be alive, which all started with Natasha Leone and Amy Poehler's friendship where Amy Poehler called her up one day and was like, hey, I want to make a show about you because you've always kind of seemed to me like the oldest girl in the world. (laughs) It's so good. It's so good. And she is like, she's, you know, this character could be in any film, in any era, you know, she's, New York has that timelessness and you, you we see her placed everywhere through the last like hundred years of history. But that kind of connects to their thinking of her character as well. They wanted her styled in the way that she is based on Philip Marlowe, Elliot Gould's character in The Long Goodbye. These kind of 70s male figures, they wanted her to feel almost genderless. And Well, she's got a real Danny DeVito, Joe Pesci vibe, doesn't she? <laughs> she really does. She's a She's a gangster. She really in like is. The most classic sense of the word. I know that you noticed this too, BL, but in season two, more than I remembered in season one, but I haven't seen it since it came out, she talks to herself so much on screen, but not in like a Diane Keaton way. And I'm mm. God bless Diane Keaton. Yeah goddess of all goddesses whereas natasha leon is just like she says at one point like x marks the spot and you're like <laughs> you are the only person in the world who can, get away can with deliver that. that terrible you know yes. the cornball line and i wonder if season two and i like, love it she's alone for a lot of it like she's she's this kind of like 
time jumper. And yeah, you're right. She opens up a file in the library and she's like, gee, gee, what am I looking for? Where's the card that I'm looking for? (laughs) But she, at no point are you like, shut up. No one talks like this because she fully does. Yeah. It's believable. Yeah. Yeah. She's a talker. She's a talker. Are you a big, like, time travel fan, BL? I I think I am. Like, it's not a cool reference, but, like, the butterfly effect was, like, a very scary movie to watch as a teen. Recently at a party, I, like, got a little bit silly and just tried to explain the plot of the time traveler's wife to people oh, who... You can't. You can't do it. We're not interested. <laughs> yeah, what about you? Yes and no. Like, some of my favourite things happen to be time travel-y kind of... It's not like a genre I'm seeking out. No. Because it's just so often you're like, well, I can see that glaring plot problem and yeah. I can't believe it. Like, the logic I just can't get with, yes. I suppose. But there are some classics out there. There's, like, Virginia Woolf's book, Orlando from 1928, one of the, you know, an incredible book and an incredible film from the early 90s, directed by Sally Potter, starring our gal Tilda Swinton. Shout and out. Quentin Crisp plays uh, Queen Elizabeth I. But that's, you know, that's obviously an incredible, an incredible one. One of my favorite films of all time has like a time loop, time jump thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Celine and Julie Go Boating by Jacques Rivette from 1974 about these two women who meet and become fast friends. One is a tarot reader slash librarian. The other is a kind of wannabe magician and um, the greatest style of all time, these two women. And they find that they can jump into a different section of the world, like Uh a different plane, if you will, into this one building and they can both, like see what is happening and this mystery kind of unfolds in this like larger state. And then at one point the house just pushes, like evicts them out of its time period and they come to with like a little sweet in their mouth. So it's like very Proust's Madeline thing and very Alice in Wonderland. But mm. it's, yeah, it's one of my favorite films of all time. And uh, Desperately Seeking Susan is uh, was inspired by it. What else we've got? Uh, Palm Springs, of course. I rewatched Palm Springs on the weekend. Such a fun film. Every time someone says to me like, I get a lot of people asking for recommendations for films. You would also get that a lot. And I'm always happy to give them. But always if someone says, like, I just want something light, something fun, I'm always like, Palm Springs. Yes. Go to it. It's so surprisingly great. And the more times I watch it, like, I have even more fun knowing how it's going to end. Mm, Yeah. Don't think it was a coincidence that the new season of Russian Doll came out on 420. But uh, (laughs) something that came out on 420, like, six years ago now was Time Traveling Bong. Which was a three-part Comedy Central series that Alana Glazer made it start it was like kind of towards the end of broad city she made it with paul w downs who um is a co-creator and star of hacks and had a role as like the gym instructor in i love broad him. city he's so great they played i think they were brother and sister or cousins it's been a while since i watched it basically when they smoked a certain bong they time traveled <laughs> So it's like a perfect stoner comedy, but it was also like a great, like brilliantly written comedy and also really funny in that every period they went to would kind of demonstrate what it was like to be usually a woman, sometimes like, you know, sometimes Mm -hmm. a man, but 
you know, often Paul W. Down's character got the deal. Mm-hmm. They went to like caveman times. <laughs> they went to like witch trial times. Right. And there was like a, a notable plot line where they tried to kidnap Michael Jackson as a child so that he wouldn't become famous and wouldn't be hurt by his father or hurt other children. But that meant that they also, when they went back to their present day, there was like no music. Oh, it's like that movie about the Beatles. Did you ever see that? Oh my God, yes. (laughs) Starring our king from Station Eleven. Um, I watched Happy Death Day a couple of times, which is like takes the Russian doll-y premise to like a horror place. It has like a very scary effect in that every day when the girl the main character dies in a different way. Her body retains all of that trauma. And so I was kind of watching Russian Doll and I was like, oh my God, is all these like falls down the stairs going to have Mm. an effect on her over the course of this? But she seemed fine. And I've mentioned it on a previous episode, but Sound of My Voice, the uh, Brit Marling film from a few years ago, it's not about time travel, but the premise is that she is a time traveler from the future and when they ask her to prove it by singing a popular song she just sings dreams by the cranberries she's like well it's popular in my time (laughs) oh that sounds good ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. We've been talking about Natasha Leung quite a lot this episode, but you know what? We're going to talk about her even more because there's so much. <laughs> so <laughs> a goddamn much. We're just getting started. Truly. I can't believe that she's only a year older than me, and I feel like she's lived like 80 lifetimes more than I have. Well, she she truly has. As Amy Poehler said, oldest girl in the world. Mm-hmm. She's still a she's still an old broad. <laughs> She was always an old broad, you know? Yeah, she really was. The fact that she has a has or had a collapsed lung and is still a chain smoker, it thrills me. She lives on the edge, doesn't she? She really does. She always has. She always has. <laughs> She's just got this real clear kind of, not a clear voice, it's an incredibly raspy voice, but like a clear voice that kind of rings through any bullshit that I really love. You could read any single profile on her that uses quotes from her and it will be the best thing that you read that day. Absolutely. Although I must say there is a current LA Times profile on her that came out last week for Russian Doll and it completely spoils Russian Doll. I should not have read it. Oh, you read it before watching. Well, yeah, because I was like, oh, it's my queen, Natasha Leon. I'll read all of her like tidbits. Yeah. 
Yeah, spoiled it. Rude. Mm. Yeah, I was reading a profile on her last week and it was from like 10 years ago. It was on EW.com, not where I usually go for like, you know, a choice quote. But like you said, when it's Natasha Leon news, when it's Natasha Leon, she can she can spin anything. And she talked about like being this curious teenager who was always met This is well pre Russian doll, always meditating on the big questions. And she's talking about these Talmudic existential questions of like, what does it all mean? juxtapose that with being a really poorly parented teenager in show business and it was kind of a discussion about her inevitable not inevitable but like eventual addiction which she described also as the fallout of shenanigan based behavior (laughs) when she was famously evicted from uh, actor housewives fan Michael Rappaport's house in in New York City. Yeah, and she took American Pie, so she eventually so she could buy an apartment. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what happened with that, but that she ended up renting an apartment from Michael Rappaport, the actor who was a very close friend of hers, and she lived there with like Melissa Alfdemir from Hole, and then later is that who it was? Because in the in the Jane magazine article, Michael Rappaport lists everyone who came and went from that building. And who she kind of drove away with her behavior, but he only mentions them by their first names. Ah, well, yeah, there's Melissa Aftermer, and also I know Rufus Wainwright lived there. Ah. And he has a song about her called Natasha. Yeah, very close friends. Mm. She also, I was reading, I pulled out, I've been going so deep on Natasha and also Chloe, because they're so connected. And just last night, I was thinking about the Chloe Seven Year for Opening Ceremony collection from like 10 years ago that I was obsessed with. It mm-hmm. was this perfect leopard mini dress. And I was like, God, I wonder if that Chloe Seven Year Rizzoli coffee table book has all her opening ceremony stuff in it. And I went to buy a copy. And then I thought, no, Brody, you've got to pay your tax bill this week. And so I was like, I'm not going to buy the Chloe Sevigny book. Walked into my living room and on a shelf, I have it still wrapped in plastic. So I unwrapped it and got into bed and read it. And the afterward is written by Natasha Leone all about how cool (sighs) Chloe is, how she's always been the person that she is. And she described their first meeting, which Natasha Leone does not remember, in the backyard of Michael Rappaport's house. Oh, God. Wow. Well. And he wrote this, like, tell-all in Jane magazine. The final line was, like, she can kiss my ass or something. Like, it was horrifying. Yeah, it's really awful. They're friends again. Are and they? Uh, she considered using him to play the subway announcer for Russian Doll season two, but in the end went with Rosie O'Donnell. Stop. Hmm. I read this one thing because there are so many profiles coming out at the moment, which is just like gold. <laughs> it's just beautiful. I love it. I love this time of year when it's <laughs> Natasha season. It's, it's my favorite season. time of year. There are so many profiles. She was asked in W Magazine, what is your most original quality? And she said, teenage psychedelic brain damage that created a warped sense of humor. (laughs) I was like, that's divine. The best one by far is of course from the New Yorker by Rachel Syme. At one point she's talking about like how her philosophy on life has changed. And she says, I make sure that at this point in my life, I just don't fuck with chaos. Yeah. And I love that she doesn't shy away from talking about like her addiction and her addictive kind of personality, et cetera. And she's actually talked about different people like Barbara Walters and 
Terry Gross uh, being really confrontational mm. in interviews with her, kind of shaming her for her like messy, chaotic past. Like and a gotcha she, kind of. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I'm actually completely open about all of this stuff. Like it's part of me. It's part of my life. And she uses it very much in Russian Doll. Mm-hmm. And it was very much in her character in um, Orange is the New Black. Yeah, absolutely. I read an interview where she talked a bit about the role of you know, Chloe and her friends in her recovery. At the end of that Michael Rappaport piece, he kind of describes how her friends weren't around. Like there was no one around for her then. But in her recovery, she kind of says it was hard to, oh, Chloe 70 says, it was hard to stand by and not be able to help when she was down and dirty. But I tried to forgive whatever bad behavior she displayed because she wasn't herself. And it felt very Nora and Ruthie in in Russian Doll, that kind Mm. of just no conditions on the friendship and, you know, what they will do for each other. I mean, is there anything cooler than your first real job being on Pee Wee's Playhouse, (laughs) the best show of all time? And also in Slums of Beverly Hills. Yeah, but Mike Nichols' film of Nora Ephron's book, Heartburn. Heartburn. I mean, my I think God. she and Nora stayed like really they close. They did, because really she was in a play. Time. She was in one of Nora's plays in like 2007 or Love something Lost like that. Love Lost and What I Wore? Yes, it was. Yeah. And um, Nora remembered her from Heartburn oh. and they became. Good friends. Yeah. She described to, um, I feel like we're both just like, we've both got our separate (laughs) Natasha facts that are really complimenting each other because I watched her on Larry King and Larry was just kind of baffled by her. Oh yeah. She, at one point he, he asked her like who she was dating. She was dating Fred Armisen at the time. I don't think they're together anymore, but she, she said something about like, you know, ask my guy, ask my Fred. And he was like, Fred, who's named Fred? People are not called Fred anymore. Oh, Larry. Um, but she described herself in that interview, or not herself, sorry. She tried to describe her, her ultimate hero. And she said, if Lou Reed and Nora Ephron had a baby, that would be my... Beautiful. My hero. She also, as time has gone on, she's clearly stepped behind the scenes a bit more and has kind of committed to making really interesting work. Um, I don't know if you watched all of Shrill, but she directed Yeah, the, I did the Waham episode, which was like the women's conference. Oh, yeah. Which is kind of, you know, related to our girl bossery combo from <laughs> earlier. Also very Amanza season five, where she's talking about like CEOs and she IPs in a completely uncynical oh, way. In like a she work broad city way. <laughs> oh yes. And Amanza has never heard anything cooler. <laughs> oh God, God. I'm not up to that yet, but I will get there because I have to get up to season six when she's dating J-Flip obviously. obviously. She, Leo, Natasha Leone that is, um, started a production company with Maya Rudolph who, you know, during the SNL years, Natasha would just drop by and like smoke cigarettes in Maya's dressing room and watch the show. She was like a big comedy fan, but proof that we all make mistakes sometimes. The first project that they greenlit was that Sarah Cooper special, mm. the woman who just lip synced Donald Trump. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uncritically just set, repeated the things that he said in, in a kind of TikTok-y way, not mm. always matching up her lips to his, but mm. somehow people just fucking loved it. As if she was doing something profound or clever in any way. Helen Mirren was fucking in this special. Like, it, it made no sense to me. The Sarah Cooper thing made no sense to me. Oh. But Natasha and Maya, two women whose opinions I really trust and respect, 
saw something in her and so did Helen Mirren. Okay. Well, I won't be visiting that. No, me neither. I'll just talk about it. <laughs> Bill, when we started talking about Natasha Leon, we both were mostly talking about one of our favorite films, shared favorite films, but I'm a cheerleader from 1999, directed by Jamie Babbitt and also starring, God, what an all-star <sighs> goddamn cast. Melanie Linsky. Melanie Linsky. She's so good in it. Clea Duvall. Clea Duvall. RuPaul's in it. Um, and, oh Eddie my God, Cyprian. Eddie Cyprian's Eddie in Cyprian. it. Eddie Cyprian. He of the connecting force between Real Houses of Beverly Hills and Vanderpump Rules. Mm-hmm. We have Eddie Cyprian to thank. Mm-hmm. So he was with Brandy Glanville and left Brandy for... Well, he cheated on Brandy with Sheena. With Sheena. From Vanderpump Rules. But then remarried Leanne Rhymes. That's it. Wow. What a trifecta. Truly. But yeah, But I'm a Cheerleader is one of those films where I can quote the entire thing. Oh, Michelle Williams is in it too. Yeah, my sisters and I like grew up on But I'm a Cheerleader and I don't think I really knew it's kind of like queer law until I was much older and kind of understood what it meant for so many mm. other people. A friend of mine was working at the Academy Twin in Sydney and which was playing But I'm a Cheerleader when it came out and I would go and watch it and then he would just let us sit in the cinema and watch the next session of it and we would just watch it like (laughs) back to back like multiple times. Oh I love that. Another (laughs) of my Natasha comfort watches is Detroit Rock City where she has an iconic role as kind of a disco gal big hair big nails like chewing gum and the boys on their way to the Kiss concert like pick her up in their car and they fight and disagree and then make out. And she was dating Edward Furlong at the time, right? I think so, yeah. Mm. Detroit Rock City, iconic film. I haven't seen it since it came out. I need to rewatch. One little Natasha Leon moment that I do want to highlight mm-hmm. was when she played a very small role in the 1972 section of the film If These Walls Could Talk too. Where Chloe Seveny dates Michelle Williams. Oh wow! So you know how like if these walls could talk, one is all about abortions. I never watched it. Brody, it's I will not now. that good, but oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's directed by Cher. Yeah, this is... Oh, She's I mean, in it. She's I mean, one look, of the abortion doctors. It's part of the canon, you know? Mm. I know it's, it's got to be on my list. Yeah, well, the sequel is all about lesbians. Natasha Lyonne loves movies about lesbians. Oh, she does. And, you know, she's a real les tease, isn't she? She's one of those people you're like, she got to be. She got to be. But she ain't. She, she ain't. She ain't. Um, one last thing also I've got for Natasha Lyonne is an episode of Mark Maron's podcast that she was on in 2013, which was when like Orange is the New Black was just about to come out. Mm-hmm. And I would never normally recommend listening to any episode of that podcast. And it was this was in the classic like fast forward the first 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, which no one does for our podcast. No, right? of course not. No. Yeah. Um, I've since mellowed a little bit on Mark Maron, but it's a really great tell-all interview from one, like, ex-addict to another ex-addict. So it was seemingly a very safe space, and they get through a lot of material and really talk about Natasha's childhood and, like, moving from uh, America back to Israel and back to America. And, like, Mm -hmm. it's, it's really great. It's time for Also Also's. This is the part of the podcast where Kate and I 
veer away from pop culture a little and we just talk about things that we're really enjoying. Yeah, things we're vibing on. Yeah. Unrelated. Unrelated, but everything's related. Bill, what's one of yours this week? I've got to watch also for the TV show Better Things, created by and starring Pamela Adlon. Its fifth season has just finished and I'm furious to see that no Australian streaming service has uploaded the fifth season yet because I've been waiting for it to finish before I watch the final season. But in the meantime, I'm going to go rewatch the first four because they really got me through a particular lockdown. I can't remember which one right now, but um, it's an incredible show about a mother raising her three children in LA, very much kind of a mirror of Pamela Adlon's real life. And it is truly a show that gives the kind of visual pleasures of like a Nora Ephron film in that there is always scenes of cooking and eating and it's food that you would actually want to cook and eat. I've never seen it. I really want to. Um, how can I watch it? I believe it's on Disney Plus now. It used to be on okay. Binge. Um, I've got an incredibly boring first one. Mine's an admin also. I think that it's because I feel like I'm so behind in everything in my life right now. Uh-huh. Like with work, it's emails Lists. Every kind of list, like everything, like going grocery shopping, all that stuff that I was thinking, like, just do what you can. And I updated phone charges in my house and I have never felt better. Oh. Like, I just I was like, I don't have enough phone charges. Yeah, they're never there when you need they're one. They're never there and they're never fast enough and you never want to spend money on such a goddamn boring thing. But I put in an order. I went and picked them up and I got those USB-C to lightning. Oh. They are all over my house. You can charge your phone at any given spot. Are they really faster? Yeah, they're way faster. Oh, wow. Okay. You got to get them. Anyway, like it's it's deathly boring. I'm just saying like if you need the nudge or if you just want to, it's a very much like a to-do, get up and have a shower and then you cross that off. Yes. It's very that. If you're looking for that in your life right now, just do it. We're the same. Hmm. I just got a bonus phone charger with a Sephora order today and it's a portable phone charger, but it's a compact mirror. Hmm but you can charge your phone with it. Yeah, right. Okay. It's probably really slow. Mirrors are not the fastest. (laughs) I have a buy also, which are, I've described them in my notes as the perfect gold hoops by this jewelry designer called Laura Lombardi. I'm wearing a pair of her gold hoops right now, but that's because I bought five pairs recently. She did like a, I don't know if it's like a sample sale or like a a seconds sale or something that essentially stuff that she can't sell at full price because they have dents or like little marks or something in varying degrees of visibility. I bought five pairs all at heavily discounted small gold hoops and they all look and feel perfect to me. If you also watched Only Murders in the Building and your main takeaway was where does Selena Gomez buy Mm -hmm. her jewelry, you will love Laura Lombardi. I'll look them up because I uh, swear by Holly Ryan's gold hoops. Mm. Yeah. Wear them every day. Inspired by my mother. <laughs> Love that. Mm. I've got to subscribe also. It's a newsletter that Molly Young started. She is a New York based writer and she started this newsletter a long time ago, like a personal newsletter that I subscribe to called Read Like the Wind. It's a very kind of see also e newsletter in that she goes off on very bizarre tangents and is very good at like tying everything in together. And there's kind of something for everyone. And her newsletter got picked up by Vulture and now it's been picked up by the New York times. And I have found so many excellent books in this because she doesn't just cover new books. She covers like old, she seems to just be reading all the time. And so like weird old paperbacks and things that have gone out of print or just come back into print. 
I found out that way about this one book that I loved and it still hasn't been published in Australia. It's a few years old. It's called Madeline Fitch's Stay and Fight about this lesbian couple in the Appalachian foothills. It's so good. Mm. And I would never have heard about this incredible book had it not been for her newsletter. Mm, I love that. I feel like the churn of keeping up with new release books really prevents me from like digging into ones I have just bought and abandoned years mm-hmm. ago. My final one is a listen also. It's a podcast called Heidi World. It's created by Molly Lambert, who is just an incredible writer, pop culture kind of archaeologist. She <laughs> yeah, is, love her. She's incredible. And she is like a true modern LA historian. Like Molly is a gal from the Valley. She did a Grub Street diary recently, which was just such a joy to read. She describes kind of her approach to eating as just driving around until she sees or thinks about something that she gets a good vibe of. She's like, it's hot. I want something cold. So I'm going to drive around until I find something that I like that's cold. It's a very Jonathan Gold way of doing it. It is. And I think he is like a big inspiration to her um, and her eating habits in LA. But Heidi World is a podcast series that she's done about the the headline is kind of it's about the Heidi Fleiss scandal. I know nothing of the Heidi Fleiss story. Um, And Molly kind of opens the podcast by being like a lot of people who are younger than me don't know anything about this. But for me growing up in LA, like in the 80s and 90s, it was everywhere. And Heidi Fleiss was a Hollywood madam. Maybe you don't need this explanation if you're unlike me and knew all about it. But, you know, the podcast opens with this kind of Molly speaks about Heidi's story as being connected to the laws around sex work that are still kind of present today. And the way that Hollywood kind of churns through women and sells sex, but then is still as puritanical as the rest of America when it comes to the people who do the selling and buying. And it's just incredible. Every person she mentions, there's an aside that goes down this beautiful little tangent. Um, It's great. It's only three episodes in. I can't wait. Every time it drops in my feed, it's like a must listen every time. Oh, cool. Because I have been saving it up for my long haul flight in a couple of weeks because I love to read a book or listen to a long podcast. You are going to have so much fun. I can't even tell you. I can't wait. Um, Molly Lambert also wrote a great forward for a recent collection of um, Eve Babbitt's essays. Oh, that was really good. I can't remember the name of the book, but it was really great. And she was the perfect person to do it. Two LA gals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, my last one is a read also that I did not hear about in <laughs> Read Like the Wind. It's French Braid by Anne Tyler. It's a book that I just picked up knowing nothing about except that it was a finalist for the Booker Prize. I didn't know anything about the author. I since have realized she is one of the most beloved authors of uh, the, the last century. She I was don't born, know her either. Well, she was born in 1941. She's published a million goddamn books. She won a Pulitzer. Uh, she wrote The Accidental Tourist. That's probably ah. the most famous. But it was just such a lovely and refreshing read. It's a real novelly novel. Mm-hmm. It's a family saga across generations, rooted in Baltimore, though. And it shows like how this one family can fall apart or fall out of touch for just no reason at all uh, and the kind of tentacles that a family sends out through different generations Mm. and how people can reconnect or connect in ways that you don't imagine. And it kind of reminded me of my family tree in a a way. Um, And I just really adored, you know, when you're reading a novel and you're like, this is just lovely. Yes. And you don't, I just don't find them that often. No, me neither. I'm reading uh, yeah. one at the moment and I'm like, 
I'm going to stick with it, but I'm judging it as I go. Yeah, this book is just like syrup. It's lovely. Like it's there's a lot of bite in it. There's an eccentric kind of artist figure, matriarch, a, a really nice book. Oh, I love that. I want to borrow it. Absolutely. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of See Also. Please follow us. We're at See Also Podcast on Instagram. Please leave us a review, a five-star review, you know. Go on, do it. I don't want to bully you, but, you know. Tell your friends about the podcast. You can tag us or not. We might search the (laughs) tweets to see what people are saying about us as per. Thank you, as always, to Harvey Sutherland for our original theme music. And we've got to say, if you're still listening, pop over to Spotify, your streaming or purchasing platform of choice, and check out Harvey Sutherland's debut album, Boy, which just came out and is beautiful it's a banger long awaited we're so proud of you thank you so much for all that you have done for us and for music (laughs) and a perfect cover the cover art is oh my god beautiful and thanks also to samuel hodge for our imagery if you are in melbourne and a fan of it and a fan of samuel's uh, you can go and see his work in a show called queering the frame community time photography It's on at CCP in Fitzroy from the 29th of April to the 22nd of June. See ya. Bye-bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.